Beyond Religion, produced by Barbara Flood, funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland under the Sound and Vision Scheme. But I don't believe in God because, like, no one really can actually explain, like, if I say, what is God? Some people might say a ghost, some people might say a spirit, some people might say, like, he's just, like, in the air. It's a bit, like, a bit over the top, maybe, I don't know. City Centre, heading over to Patrick Street to talk to the lads at the Atheist Ireland stall. My name is Michael O'Brien. I've been in Atheist Ireland for over five years. Oh, well, at the beginning, I, um, as an atheist, you realise that you're a bit isolated, so I was looking for a community and I just googled d- different organisations. Uh, one was the Cork Humanist and the other was Atheist Ireland, so I joined both of them and uh, I was someone who likes to try and contribute rather than just hang on, so I offered to do stuff and I, I'm doing the information table and organising events. I mean, I grew up Catholic. Uh, I, was, I wasn't always an atheist. Uh, mostly, I suppose, a lot of the issues uh, in regard to things like corruption in the church, uh, in school, uh, science education, realising that you know some of the stories in the Bible were allegory. When you're looking at other things like uh, the Greek myths, you get a lot of feelings of Samson and Hercules. And I was, you know, these are the things that are in the back of your mind. And limbo was something that I always felt was ridiculous. It felt totally immoral to blame uh, um, unborn children in this kind of terrible morass. And um, then it was dropped by the church. The whole dimension was like, yeah, well, we really made it up. <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, that, oh that, like, that never happened. You know, so, yeah, I, I, I dropped away from it because I felt that the people making the claims lacked, lacked authority. You can never judge whether there's something out there. But you can certainly judge the credibility of the people saying that they know about it. And that's really all it is. You're just saying, how do you know that? And if they can't say how they know it, then you go, well, I don't believe you then. That's really all it boils down to. And was there any, like, um, writers or critics? I mean, like Christopher Hitchens, the famous one. Well, I didn't know. I mean, at the time, you're dealing with just general education when I... um, when I became an atheist. After that, I read various books, Dawkins, Hitchens, Harris. Uh, Robert Green Ingersoll is a wonderful uh, 19th century writer, uh, orator, and he was called the great agnostic at the time, and his speeches would be reminiscent uh, in some ways of Hitchens, but he was at a time where evolution was only beginning to uh, be accepted at the time, so he had to incorporate that into his view. And I think one of it, now I'm paraphrasing, one of his views was very simply that he preferred to think of himself as an as a animal rising than an angel falling. An animal rising than an angel falling? Yeah. Okay, what's his name again? Robert Green Ingersoll. And what uh, kind of reaction do you get on the stall here? Mostly quite positive. Um, a lot of the denominations come here. I've met Muslims, um, Pentecostals, Mormons, 
uh, I, I think may have met some Jehovah's Witnesses, um, all sorts of people, and they're all generally very, very pleasant. Some of them are quite passionate about their views, but they're not hostile. You get the occasional negativity from an older Catholic, and it, they drive by hostility. You know, they walk past you and go burning hell kind of thing, <laughs> and then they walk on. And if they've done their task for the day or something. But most <laughs> people, best, in, yeah. including pastors, uh, have come up to me and they're quite open to the discussion. They find it quite interesting. They find that our level of knowledge quite interesting. And they also enjoy the fact that they're able to talk about religion um, quite casually and informant. And uh, people don't roll their eyes. Right. No. Cool. I'll just talk. Go in here. Is that okay? Can I go in the middle of you? Yeah. Hi. Hi. How are you? So I'll get you to say your name first. Yeah, I'm Rajbir. Uh, I won't bother with my second name. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Bhattacharji. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, our main focus as Atheist Island has never been to convert people. So one of the things we've always taken pride is that we don't want to uh, antagonize people. But what we want to drive is social change where, you know, uh, uh, the state becomes more secular. And people are, are all adults. They, they have a right to believe in what they want to believe in. We respect that. Um, but we think that the state should not, you know, discriminate against people. And I, I think that's the bigger agenda. And we don't want to, you know, antagonize people and drive people away from that agenda. We'd rather work with people on their side. So we work with a uh, Ahmadiyya Muslims, for example, to bring a... Uh, you know, equality in schools and things like that. So we work with other religious groups as well. We work with the Evangelical Alliance because they're also discriminated against in schools and some other places. So, you know, we're not against religion as such. We hold our views. We don't agree with them in everything, but we respect what they're doing. Yeah. As long as it's not yeah. in, uh, like, state policy. Yes, yes. Which is a reasonable yeah. uh, thing I think to so. ask. Even if you are religious, you mightn't want that in your yeah, we think so. constitution. Yeah, and yeah, laws. yeah. Do you mind me asking, um, like, your own personal journey? So, like, where, when you started to, to, to think like this? Or what? Yeah, so, you know, I was quite religious. Uh, I grew up, you know, in a traditional upper caste, with, within quotes, upper caste, Hindu family. Um, and then I went to a Catholic school, a Christian brother school. And, uh, mm, you know, again, that was very religious. And, you know, the, but when I was about 11 or 12, they started teaching us science for the first time. And I suddenly thought that, you know, this is a lot more logical. This is this makes sense. You can prove things. This is not some mumbo jumbo fairy tale. Then that was the state I stayed in for a long, long time till I was about 25. I was convinced God wasn't there, but my thoughts weren't very organized. And when I was 25, 26, I started reading more about you know formally about atheism and you know Dawkins and uh, uh, and then all of the things that you know I new in a disorganized way became organized in my mind so that generally has been my personal journey Atheist Ireland also have a regular stall outside the GPO in Dublin all of this of course is before Covid back when we could still just meet on the street I'm Jane Donnelly I'm from Atheist Ireland and I deal mostly in Atheist Ireland with the issue of the education system and human rights law. We think that it, it's a lack of understanding of what the actual right to freedom of conscience, religion and belief means, freedom from discrimination and the right to education. So we're basically fighting and, and advocating for those rights 
and um, educating parents to challenge the school system and challenge those rights within the school, you know, and say, I'm not willing for my child to be evangelised. Uh, um, I'm not willing for my child. It's not right that my child should come home and be reciting prayers, even though I've opted them out of religion, because they're all small children recite everything that's around them. So if they're if they hear other children uh, reciting prayers because they they haven't left the classroom, and um, they'll come home and start reciting prayers. This is what parents tell us. But reciting prayers is the practice of religion, and as such, it's indoctrination. So that child has been indoctrinated, but the, the school and the, and the teachers, they don't see it like that. They don't see that, that fundamental understanding of what human rights law and this right to freedom of religion and belief, even though they say they support it, their understanding comes from a, a tradition in the Irish education system of Catholicism. And the basic mission of Catholicism is, this, is they have a mission is to evangelise. So as you can appreciate, human rights law and canon law and all that whole philosophy of Catholic education are completely different. And if you can think of it in relation to even the hospitals and all what's going on, the controversy over the new uh, maternity hospital, because we were delivering public services true religious bodies and in one body in particular one religious body which is the catholic church so you can see how that causes problems michael nugent is a writer and activist and chairperson of atheist ireland I think the Catholic Church is beginning to realise that the people have moved on and the Catholic Church no longer controls the Irish people. The difficulty that we have is that there are still laws in place from when the Catholic Church did control the people that, that are still enabling them to have an undue influence, in particular on our education system, where the Catholic Church controls 90% of the state-funded schools, which in most areas is the only option that people have to send their children to and they're still legally allowed to discriminate in those schools on the grounds of, of uh, religion. So there's a range of, of uh, problems in the law that still have to be resolved, but thankfully the people have moved on. And I, I think whereas our campaigns used to be about trying to uh, convince people that uh, separation of church and state is a good idea, uh, I think now it's, it's a, a case of getting the state to catch up with the people. Yeah, they've, they've kind of lost the, the hearts and minds, as, as they say. Well, they have. Well, as time goes on and people uh, more and more realise that you don't need supernatural ideas to explain morality or to explain reality, uh, every generation, more and more things that used to be explained by gods are moved into the column of, well, we now understand how it happens naturally. And there's nothing going in the other direction. You know, there's nothing where we used to think we had a good scientific explanation, but now we realise it's God. So on that basis, I think more and more people, whether they would describe themselves as atheists or not, are living their lives as if there is no God, which is in effect the same thing. I'm a very strong atheist. I strongly believe that there are no gods on the basis of applying reason to the best available evidence. 
But I'm also technically an agnostic because I don't claim to be certain because you can't be certain about anything. You know, I can't be certain that there, that there aren't 2,000 elephants around the corner about to, to uh, come out to O'Connell Street. I mean, I, I strongly believe that there aren't and I think most people rationally would believe that there aren't. So I, I, I don't think we have to set ourselves an impossible standard of saying unless we could be 100% certain that there's no God, that that means we have to say we're, a, we're an agnostic instead of an atheist. The thing about the yeah, exactly. Most religious people are um, atheists with regard to the other thousands of gods that, that, that humans have invented over the centuries. You know, most people go, go about their days not even realising that the days of the week are based on gods. Thursday is Thor's day, Wednesday is Odin's day. You know, so, so, so there's a whole load of things that people would immediately recognise the absurdities in other people's religions, but luckily they happen to have been born in the only religion that's true. I think a lot in Ireland people have an issue with criticising religious beliefs. Jane Donnellan again. For example, you, um, I find it absolutely um, a terrible thing to say that uh, uh, homosexuality is wrong or morally wrong or all that area where the Catholic Church have um, firm issues with. Or I find that really objectionable. So I would challenge that belief all the time and that is their belief that uh, homosexuality is wrong it's not God's plan but I would challenge that you know and I would criticize that openly and I have a right to do that so you shouldn't have anything in the Constitution or in our laws that forbids people from criticizing beliefs now criticizing somebody on the basis that they're a race or they're a specific religion just because of, of who they are is different than criticising what they believe in. What's your name? D uh, Dave, Dave Kiernan. Okay, I know you're in the group a while. Oh yeah, yeah, several years. Alright, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been... Uh, I, I, I found my tribe. Are you like a militant atheist or a lifelong atheist? How would you? Oh, I've been, yeah. Well, I was, a, I was an altar boy in Granard in County Longford with a master in Latin. Ah. I was about nine years of age. I remember saying to the priest once, Father, do the people really understand what you're saying? No, I don't know. What, I don't even know what I'm saying myself. I was an atheist from a very, very young age. In Granard's, that's... In uh, Granard. And I went to a boarding school in Dublin, Castle yeah. College, run, yeah. by, run by the Vincentians. And uh, there were great people. I wouldn't have a bad. I didn't have one bad experience there, religion-wise. Anyway, to totally well, believe something so there was. So were you like a little kid when you were thinking this way? Were you, did, did you yeah, no, I was always yeah, yeah. naturally. Uh, well, we're all born atheists anyway, so we're all inducted. In, 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 there's no, as Richard Dawkins said, no, there's no such thing as a Catholic child, or a Buddhist child, or a Muslim child, or a Hindu child. They're all, and then they're inducted into these cults. I didn't know what an atheist was when I was a, when I was a teenager, young person. I was just non-religious. You know? I, I just thought it was all bullshit. That's it. Did you mitch mass? Oh yeah, I used to mitch mass. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Casnock, enough loves used to mitch mass and, and go into the arts and hobby shop or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. We went to see Hitchens when he, uh, when he was in Dublin a few years ago. One of the big uh, auditoriums in Trinity College. There were several hundred people there. We paid about 30, 40 quid a head. And my son, my son came because he, he didn't want to see Dawkins, but he wanted to see Lawrence Crow, uh, Lawrence Krauss. 
But it wasn't talking about atheism, it was talking about evolutionary biology. But they were standing on the stage, and behind them was a picture of the, uh, the galaxies, the planets, taken from the Hubble, which is outside of the Earth's atmosphere. And all you see were billions upon billions upon billions of stars and galaxies and you name it. And I think Richard Hawkins says, you know, us humans, we think we're special, we're not. <laughs> that just resonated with everyone, you know? I'm Eugene, Eugene Hogan. Okay, and have you been with Atheist Ireland a good while now? Actually, not that long. I think, I think this is my third year doing the table. And since then, I mean, I, I was active on the, the Repeal the Eighth campaign. Um, and that was, I mean, that went so well. I, 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 I was surprised. Um, I, I, I was online at 10 o'clock and the Irish Times published a, an exit poll. 65%, I mean, they got it bang on. They got the, the result bang on. And I was just so staggered. I couldn't believe that many people had switched sides. It's a changed country. It is a changed country, yeah. And, and it's about time that they, they get the religion out of schools, yeah. teach children knowledge, not beliefs. I mean, they can get beliefs anywhere they like. And if they want to teach them religious beliefs, okay, have a Sunday school Sunday, or Saturday, or Friday, whatever your Sabbath day is. Seems to be a bit of confusion about that. I'd hate to be stoned for picking up sticks on the wrong day. Yeah, I just think it's ironic what we're talking here and I can hear, uh, come let us adore yeah. him in the background. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have to tell you, I, I love the music. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the Mozart's Ave, Ver Ave Verum upsets me. I get emotional even thinking about it. It's just so absolutely incredibly um, inspiring. Well, I suppose but, Christianity is something so powerful. It, well, it's nothing to do with Christianity. It's, yeah. it, I mean, he was, he was a performer. He was a, a composer. And he went where the money was. I mean, if the church had the money now, th do you think you two would be se <laughs> selling things online if the money was in the church? No, they'd be singing Jesus' praises the same as... if They follow the money. That's, that's where they all go. Always has been, always will be. Look at the art. Look, this, have you seen the Sistine Chapel? Have you seen any of the no, great artwork? Yeah, well, yeah. Go, go up to our own National Gallery there. They have the Caravaggios there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're religious paintings. And they are inspiring. They're all inspiring to see them. But the only reason they were playing bi biblical scenes was they had nothing else. I mean... The, the, the church was a patron. The, the, the church was it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there was no other patron. And I mean, they, they were... <laughs> the, the, the princes of the church then were as secular as uh, probably as you and me now. And do you have any um, like favourite writers? We were talking with Christopher Hitchens there earlier. Oh well, I I, I loved the, I I have an audio book of Hitchens doing God is not great, and I I actually I believe he's right that religion does poison everything. It what does it add? What? A moral compass. It, it, you know I I mean you can't have a an a, a, um, a, an institution with. Um, with uh, endemic child abuse and say it offers a moral compass. It doesn't. <sighs> I mean, the mind boggles. If, if, they weren't, if they weren't such f***ing hypocrites, I wouldn't mind so much. It's the total hypocrisy. So anyway, you want yeah. someone else? 
Were you talking to Murish? Who is Murish? Murish is the glasses and the hat. Yeah, sure, maybe I'll say hello to him. Have you been atheist for a while now? Or? Yeah, I'd say since about, I'd say I was late teens, getting towards 20. No, a scepticism just came upon me. I remember when my father um, instigated saying the rosary as a family. Um, suddenly one day in 1960-something, my mother, I remember my mother's expression. I could see it on her face. I, I, this is bullshit, you know. And, uh, and it was, thing, it was in, things like that with my mother. And uh, um, but since then, I've I've never looked back, you know. I uh, I don't need it. It's a uh, it's a liberation of sorts. Has has been for me. Liberation of sorts has has been for me. I feel lucky to be born in Ireland at a time when we're becoming more secular. But for some who are living here, atheism is still something to keep hidden from their family. I met Ali, not his real name not long after he moved to Ireland. Actually, when I was 13 years old, I was like questioning the beliefs in the school. And uh, it was like an um, Islamic course in that time. And I, after the teacher finished uh, uh, the, the course, I asked my friend, my friend that what if we are wrong. What if, uh, like, Islam is not the right religion? Because they are like different religions, and it's it, it doesn't make sense that they all will burn in hell. So this is the first question that I have asked myself. And uh, yeah, after that, you know, I I was like busy with my life. I I I forgot about religions until 2015 when I started again to think about um, my beliefs, the teachers, and so on. So um, it, it takes um, one year until I uh, decided to leave Islam. And uh, on 2016, I left Islam after I, like, after I did some search online and read some articles and uh, books. And also I decided to read uh, read Quran without uh, like submission or without uh, emotions like it's uh, from God or from Allah or whatever so I just read it like thinking and doubting if it's really from God or yeah then I decided to leave Islam did you tell anyone at the time no in my in my country I can't uh, say that I was pretending that I'm a Muslim I was also um, going to the Jum'ah, Salat Jum'ah always, Mas and it's uh, it's like it's crazy because when I go and and all uh, in the mosque, all they all Muslims and they're listening to Imam. He's saying like uh, Allah, uh, you know, Allahumma and so on. That's Arabic uh, words, and I'm not a Muslim. It's it feels like stupid, and I feel like why I'm here, 
because I, I can't say no I, I can't I don't want to go to the mosque or I I because my family they're religious and they they want me they force me to go to the mosque yeah so I have it, to go every Friday to the mosque and pray with them and it's uh, it's hard to see that yeah and also sometimes they 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 try to tell me that I have to pray the five uh, daily prayers but sometimes I try with them no come on I don't I feel sick I feel yeah so they sometimes they be like easy with me not yeah so yeah it was like I, I was living in a fake identity and in, in the social media I have different identity you know on Twitter like I, I was criticizing Islam and talking about my thoughts but with a fake identity because I can't uh, go with my true identity so um, also by the way my I have I had three accounts on Twitter and they all uh, got suspended because of the reports and that's yeah and I couldn't um, restore them and that was like uh, uh, you know it's uh, a bad thing for me because they I had many followers and I helped people to like think in different way but unfortunately I couldn't restore them. I have actually I have only um, my cousin. I was always uh, going with him out, and he knows that I have uh, uh, like open-minded. He knows that I'm not a real Muslim, but he 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 doesn't know that I'm uh, I left Islam. So he just know that I have like different opinions, and I. I, I am, I'm against some uh, Islamic principles and yeah, but I, I can't dare to say that oh, no, I'm not a Muslim because I don't expect what's going to happen from him or whatever. It's like um, human rights to all of us to to criticize anything we want, if, especially if we got affected from that if we face uh, execution or uh, prosecution from that uh, ideology, from that law. I don't even know if you identify as atheist actually or agnostic or what do you... No, I mean, I wouldn't identify as anything actually, just having a human experience like... Mary Tuig who's bringing up her daughter without any one religion. Keris wasn't my daughter. It wasn't baptised or, um, you know, she didn't make her Holy Communion or anything. like. She was in the church this morning and she calls the priest a Pope. Like, so every time she goes there, she calls him <laughs> the Pope. Like, you know, and then we were you watching. got a promotion. <laughs> so that's what she calls the priest in the church. Like, you know, because we've been in Educate Together all along up, up until September when she went. She's now going to a Catholic school. So she has to go to church, which she's never done before. So she's kind of not a fay with all of this stuff. And my cousin got married there a couple of years ago and uh, they were showing her the marriage video because we didn't make the wedding. And Kara said, what's that? When the priest uh, came out, or who's that? And I thought, Jesus, my work is done. I felt <laughs> extremely proud of that. So I guess I must be atheist if there's um, a label on anything, like, you know. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, the story there. Uh, but you want me to tell my own story? or? 
Mary's mother gave birth as an unmarried teenager in 1974. She had me in the hospital and then the nun from the mother and baby home came to the hospital on the very first day of birth like and uh, I was she was holding me in the lift in her arms and the nun was in the lift as well and the nun said I'll take that now like you won't be needing that like you know so wow. as a 16 year old girl I'm sure that must have been pretty scary and daunting like you know um, so you just try to understand people's mindsets kind of back then I suppose in 1974 and um like when people kind of felt that they had nowhere else to go to but the church but uh it's funny then because she my mother moved away after that and she uh lived in london then for the rest is she still there now she's 60 like so she's living there now you know i think every family in ireland has been scarred by some aspect of the church in my own immediate family My grand-aunt was forced to give up her daughter when she got pregnant outside of marriage. My grand-aunt went on to marry the father of this child and they had a happy marriage and a large family together afterwards. But it must have been traumatic, to say the least. It seems my great-grandmother was devoutly Catholic and afraid of what the neighbours might think. I think that we all crave a sense of a tribal connection and a sense of community and when you're kind of lacking up you know options uh maybe the the better the devil that you know than the devil that you don't instead of being um you know because there are still people who would kind of look at you twice if you said that you didn't baptize your child or didn't send them to holy communion or confirmation you still I still feel uncomfortable saying that to people, you know, um, even though the the stigma has been kind of lessened somewhat, there's still a kind of a little, oh, why is that like, you know, how come you didn't? Uh, so in order, I suppose, to, to fit into the community and, and the environment, people probably just go ahead with it, like, you know, and and people don't question the fact that, you know, of what was going on with these mother and baby homes, you know, the... So, you know, these things like you just didn't question the authority of them. And so that that lingers then from generation to generation in terms of like what you bring in to your belief systems with you. Like, you know, even though you might claim to be very, um, you know, independent of all of that there is still something inside of you that feels awkward when you tell somebody that you didn't baptize your child like. You know, I just think, you know, whatever kind of morals the parent has, it's passed on to the child, regardless of what religious background or religious practice you have. You know, you could you could be staunchly religious going to to church every week and still not have a regard for certain types of people or a snobbery for certain types of people. Um, Something like I'm really respectful and open to whatever beliefs make somebody to be more inclusive of people that are on the outside or you know if they're just like good people like you know it doesn't matter what they to me what they they can believe in a light bulb like you know so um and that's that's kind of it really (laughs) church of the holy light bulb yeah beyond something it could be yeah (laughs) Like you can be a good person if you're not, if you don't believe in God and if you don't like, 
like at mass they say oh be if you believe in god if you're a follower you are being a good person but sure you could be a good person doing anything really like like a lot of things so like you could be you could be a good person in like tiny things really you could be a good person like like some things that you do to be a good person are just like automatic and you kind of just do it like just like to be nice kind of so Hey Barbara. Hey Gav, how are you? <laughs> this, is first time, right. this is the first time I've, I've used this recording app on the phone, so I'm like surprised if it works. So that's All right, yeah. cool. Yeah, I think it's working, I think it's recording. Gavinok Dinogla, musician, activist and father. First of all, are you getting them communion or are you bothering? Jeez, not at all, no. No, no, you're not bothering. No, they're both in the Educate Together inside in city centre, so. Was that why you picked that school particularly? Yeah. Yeah, because there's not a huge amount of options, really, um, in Cork or anywhere, I think. Well, definitely um, not outside the city, and we're fairly stuck with all kind of Catholic schools. Because mm. you were in the countryside. Were they going to school in the countryside, or were, were they too young then? Um, like, we drove all the ways from... We had to move to McCroom for a while, because rent mm. was so expensive. So, yeah, we drove from McCroom to, into the Educate Together every morning, so... Wow. Okay, so it's really, it is, but it's it's fairly important then, like, to you. Oh, definitely, yeah. She's a complete hypocrite otherwise, like. I know a lot of friends, I know a lot of people, they're still just getting them done just out of a kind of a, oh, sure, look, because everyone's getting yeah. done if they're in the school. Do you know that kind of way? I know, yeah, I, can't, I really can't yeah. understand that at all, like. Okay. Like, they try, they try to cover up the abuse of children, like, and what do you do? You continue, like being a member of that organisation and it's, mm. it's just beyond me like people are still like it's one of the most heinous crimes yeah, and you're, yeah. Still, you're still willing to overlook it just so your child can have a day out and fit in it's like oh, it's beyond mm. me were you always an atheist like do you remember being a, as a child like thinking this is oh, geez, no, I was no. I was in Nortabai for four years so, so yeah tiny little church up in the middle of nowhere is like ringing the bell every Sunday and all the incense yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But it was lovely, like Mass and like, during Christmas and all that was lovely. Like, But like, beyond that, like, it had no meaning whatsoever. <laughs> and, yeah. And then, you know, yeah. like in your early, or your late teens and early 20s, you kind of read up on Buddhism and ensured everything was as shallow as the last one. And so it all, yeah, all mm. meaningless to me, like so. But yeah, even the way the pilgrims and stuff treated like the native peoples of America and the Spanish when they went to Southern. It's like it became ingrained in their culture that like, oh, we have the the Pope in the Vatican, he's dictating the our laws and rules. And then like all the natives in other countries in other continents were just subhuman. Like it was just, mm. I don't know. I can't, I don't know. I can't see anything redeeming really. But I mean, the other thing is though, the problems with atheists, like there's loads of atheists that are assholes and there's like atheist regimes, like no religion doesn't necessarily mean a better world in some ways. But oh geez, not at all, no. One of the most powerful things that ever sticks out in my head is um, because it's just got to do with Ireland, as well as I think Richard 
Dawkins was interviewing um, a girl, I think she was from Derry or somewhere. She said all the abuse that she got in the schools, like being beaten and all this, it was nothing compared to being told that her friend, another girl who was Protestant, that she'd be she'd burn in hell for eternity for having the wrong religion. Mm-hmm. And she said that caused so much trauma, like that it, it was a way worse than anything that was physically done to her, like so. At the Atheist Ireland stall in Cork earlier, I'd met a woman who's ex-Protestant and bringing up her kids without religion. What do you say to people who say, oh, kids need our Yeah, like, I actually get that from my mum a lot. She says, oh, she's missing out. And I say, well, what's she missing out on? We would, you know, we, we have lots of conversations together about religion, um, the different types of religion, why people believe different things. You know, and it's fine. If people believe something, it's, it's totally fine. It's just it's not for us. At the end of the day, we do good for good's sake. We don't need a God above who is going to judge us on whether we're good or not is kind of our belief in it um, and like my eldest would kind of I suppose, carry that as well that she she's a good person because she wants to be a good person she doesn't want to hurt somebody she doesn't want to do something that she shouldn't and I mean she's very secure in that I would be very secure in that I, I don't think she's missing out on anything to be honest you know well I think it's almost the opposite I think morality comes from evolved natural human attributes like empathy and compassion and cooperation and reciprocity and fairness and justice. Michael Nugent again. We evolve these attributes because we're social animals and we need to live together and so we understand you know what is the right and wrong thing to do. What religion does is it actually corrupts that natural morality because it says here's something that you know is the, the good thing to do and the right thing to do but you shouldn't do it because somebody wrote something in a book 2000 years ago you know or 1300 years ago and, and then, then so you get these uh, books that say very good things like you know uh, the story of the good samaritan and love your neighbor and also very bad things like stone a man to death for gathering sticks on the sabbath you know now, and religious people will immediately go oh no well that bit's wrong you know obviously obviously we don't stone people to death for gathering sticks on the sabbath but how do they know that the reason is that they're applying their own morality to the book they're not getting their morality from the book or else they would be out stoning people to death for gathering sticks on the sabbath so, so what, what religion does is it corrupts the natural morality that all of us have. Being an atheist isn't always straightforward. Separating out culture and family and habit can be tricky. It's your first Ramadan, obviously, away from your family and that. How did you find yeah, it in actually, terms of, like, uh, being, was it a bit lonely? Or? To be honest, yeah, I, I felt very sad. I met up with Ali again for a coffee in St. Stephen's Green. Like, uh, it's good to stay with your family um, and uh, like have dinner together in Ramadan and uh, like watch TV together and enjoy. But also, in, in on the other hand, you will like be forced to fast and to uh, pretending that you are like fasting and you're praying with them every day. And, and that's also this is like a, a, a negative point because I, I, I have like uh, I have nothing to do to say like oh I don't want to fast or I don't want to pray because if I say like that I will be in a bigger trouble and uh, this is like it, it, it hurts it hurts me when I like pretending that I'm Muslim and I'm not because 
I want to be myself. I want to be as like as who I am. I don't want to just like lying to them that I'm Muslim and I'm fasting because like there is no just there is only one point for that behavior just to make make them happy and to like let them feel like happy that I'm uh, I'm with them uh, fasting. So uh, that's that's yeah. my point. But it's complicated. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's all tied up with yeah, it, what you're used to. Exactly. What, you yeah, know. because I use uh, like on my uh, on my whole life, I used to uh, attend Ramadan with them and fasting. So like, I think it's a normal reaction if I like say, oh, I miss Ramadan. I miss like my family and uh, I, like have dinner in Ramadan with them. So I think it's like a normal reaction for some people to say that. Because like I have like a past with uh, Ramadan, so maybe after like f- few years I will like used to. On top of missing his family and trying to settle in here, Ali also had other problems. I had uh, an incident in in the last uh, ten days of Ramadan, and uh, it started when someone in the direct provision center where Ali lives took issue with Ali drinking a bottle of water. And then when I responded, he stood up coming to me to, to beat me. And he uh, uh, strangled my neck on the ground. And he was threatening me that uh, he, he, he was saying that uh, he's going to kill me. And I went immediately to uh, Garda and I told them I, I complained uh, against him. And actually that was for me, uh, it was like a shock because uh, I mean, I left my country because I don't want to see this this kind of people who gonna attack me just because I don't uh, believe in Islam or I I don't fast in Ramadan with them. But here in Ireland, even like even in, in Europe, I will I, I faced that uh, that those kind of people, and that was like for me, it was uh, disappointing, and uh, I was like I felt very sad about that uh, incident. Yeah. Shocking, isn't it? yeah, it was like for me, it was uh, shocked and I felt like angry and sad and like mixed feelings. Mm. Yeah. For Raj Beer, who we heard from earlier at the Atheist Ireland stall in Cork, the transition has been much easier. But even with his relatively open and tolerant family, he sometimes found himself in a less than straightforward position. You might be quite conflicted inside. Uh, for example, uh, one of my uncles died once and, um, uh, and he didn't have any son or daughter, right? And one of the Hindu beliefs is that if your son doesn't burn your dead body, you, your you become a ghost and you kind of haunt everybody because you're conflicted as a ghost and oh that's sort of pretty pretty nasty thoughts right pretty pretty you know those belief systems are pretty nasty they're meant to scare you so uh, so i was the you know the closest thing to a son you can have as a nephew according to that thing right and would that work the same or uh, well you know uh, the thing with priests is if you give them enough money right so with my uh, so my aunt was she was a religious lady and um, she knew that I was an atheist and uh, she, she wanted me to you know burn the body and I was like you know I can do it that's not a problem but you know that I'm an atheist right 
<laughs> and she said, yeah, I know that, but I still want you to do it. So, you know, at Aww. that time you were quite conflicted that, you know, you don't really believe in it, you're going through it, so you feel dishonest doing it. But at the same time, you know, if someone feels better with you doing something, you go along with it. So those are some moments where, you know, you have very ambiguous thoughts and very con contradictory thoughts about yourself and, you know, what you're doing. So that's the way it goes, that's life. I don't really know if when you get buried down under the ground and then you go up into the sky and I just think you break down. You might, like, I, I don't, I don't know. You break down like bugs, like, eat you and stuff. <laughs> and then that's just it, you're gone. The skeleton remains. I mean, that's what happens when, like say if you leave a leaf down on the ground, if you bury a leaf, I doubt the leaf goes to heaven. <laughs> like. Beyond Religion, produced by Barbara Flood, funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland under the Sound and Vision Scheme. <laughs>